for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified livecast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and we are back at it again with another amazing podcast. Uh, tonight, we have a very special guest all the way from Kentucky, northern Kentucky. We have Aaron Coburn. How's it going today, Aaron? Going good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, you know, just enjoying the warm weather, actually. You know, it's, yeah. it's like just kind of being stuck inside. I forget to go and enjoy the weather and today I finally took that step where I just went outside for a half hour and was just like you know what I'm really enjoying the weather right now so you know yes, just kind of- make a huge difference there's some days I sit on my computer and just stare at my my session with music and then I never go outside and then the next day I'll go outside and I'm like whoa this is amazing I feel yeah. so much better <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah. you know I did that it'll be days where I don't go outside for like two or three days because I work remotely and especially if I have like enough food at the house, I don't really have to go anywhere. So it's like, yeah. all right. So yeah. it'll be Monday and then it's like Wednesday night. And it's like, wait a minute, when was the last time I've been outside? Maybe I should go outside. And so like this <laughs> week, I've been trying to really make a hat or make an effort to at least step yeah. outside every once yeah. in a while. <laughs> We're all going to turn into vampires by, by the end of this morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> how has how uh, the quarantine been affecting you in Kentucky? I haven't really been paying a whole lot of attention to Kentucky, but what how's it kind of been affecting you guys out there? Uh, so uh, I have a family, like my family's high risk. So I try not to go out really unless I really have to. Even then I'll, I'll have a mask on and stuff. But uh, gigs for, as far as musicians, gigs have been canceled. And, but the good thing is a lot of venues um, in the Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati area are um, like kind of rearranging their tables and then putting things outside, which is really, really good to see. Um, and that kind of brings up the point of getting outside more, which is nice. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely affected us. I'm sure it's like it has everybody, but uh, the good thing is we're finding ways around it to still stay safe and also get out there. Yeah, absolutely. Are you guys going to be, are you guys losing venues right now, like a lot of the places, or are, are a lot of the local venues, like, going to be able to reopen once everything kind of happens? So, uh, a couple of them have, have reopened. Um, I, I know um, a few of my close friends who own businesses who have also, that I've also performed, um, have had their whole business shut down, mm-hmm. which is really sad to see, but uh, the good thing is there's, like, GoFundMes and stuff that are that are happening for, for those that open up. But yeah, a few of the businesses I know have been hit really hard with the venues. So um, hopefully they can get back up on their feet. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's been really hard all across America watching a lot of these, like not so much international or nationally known spots, but like just people talking about like these regional venues that they went to as kids or whatever that just aren't going to be able to reopen it's like yeah yeah you know but 
Um, how are things going for you? Are you staying, you're, you're good on your end? Yeah, yeah, just staying busy. I think it's funny because when, when quarantine first started, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to have too much to do. Like I was touring so much and I was out and I was playing and I was rehearsing and I was like, dang it. And then when quarantine, like when I like went full force in the quarantine, I was like, oh my gosh, I've never been this busy. Like I've been trying to educate myself as much as I can. Like I've, uh, I've taken up some courses as far as like audio production and engineering and, mm. and all of that mixing and mastering, mastering stuff. Cause I think it's really useful to, to have. I'm like, if, if I'm going to be stuck inside for a while, I might as well try to make myself as, as well-rounded as possible and learn as much as possible. Yeah. It's a good opportunity. So uh, yeah, I've, I've made myself extremely busy, which is great. <laughs> are you, well, and you kind of just alluded to this, but um, what are you doing to kind of challenge yourself musically? Well, uh, like I said, I've been, I've been learning new things. So I've been trying to like break out of a box as far as like, oh, I want to do this genre. I want to do this genre. I, I've always said, oh, I want to, I want to do rock. I want to sound like this band, but I've been trying to challenge myself and use instruments I don't normally use. And I've also been trying to to learn more keyboard because you know keyboard if you learn keyboard you can play any instrument on like a, on the software so yeah. um I've, I've been challenging myself by doing that and also putting constraints um i'm, I'm learning from this guy named andrew wong uh, he's incredible he's an audio engineer and, and he says you know put constraints on what you're creating and it makes you think outside of the box you know mm -hmm. for example like you can only write with all guitar or you can only write with you know it's things like that that make you get really creative oh wow that's yeah that sounds <laughs> crazy like yeah, yeah. Wow. it can be very uh, frustrating but yeah. um who are you listening to right now that you really drawn influences from or who do you like that's out right now as far as musically there's there's been so many um artists that have like hopped into my mind but um, I recently have gotten back into Cage the Elephants. Um, they, I don't think they've released anything new, but uh, I've just I've been on like a watching a music video kick, and mm -hmm. I've watched a ton of other music videos. But them and also Brockhampton. I'm huge into Brockhampton because they are they're not they're not exactly a rock group. They're more like rap and R and B and hip hop. But I like to draw from that because there are so many different sounds in their music and so many different vibes and feelings and you know, they're, they're, they're a collective that, that draws from, from many different inspirations. And you can tell, and um, that's something that totally in, inspires me because I want to be, you know, someone that's drawing from different inspirations and things going on in life versus trying to sound like one thing. So. Awesome. And so you'd mentioned uh, a little bit earlier that you were full-time touring. So you're a full-time musician, not doing anything. Yeah. Full-time. Awesome. And um, how's, I guess, how, how's that been, been for you knowing that you rely on, how's that affected you knowing you rely so heavily on touring for your income and then all of a sudden it's gone? Like, what have you kind of been doing to substitute for that? Have you been doing experimenting with like live, live or the live virtual shows or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm I'm very thankful that uh, my parents have taught me a lot with finance and business and stuff for my music career, um, and so I was able to save quite a bit of money after my shows. So um, I've been trying to be smart about it and, and spending and um, 
And I also, for my live shows, I do have a tip jar that I put up. I don't expect people to just like, I don't ask for, I don't, I don't come out right out and ask for money because I know there are a lot more people that are, that are needing it more than me right now. Cause I, mm. I, I'm just, just kind of chilling here with my parents. So, yeah. but yeah, it, it, it's definitely affected me, but I, that's kind of like all I've been doing is, is the, the live streams, the tip jar and, and then just trying to take time to learn. Just kind of still trying to hone your craft while yeah. in lockdown and still stay fresh. Did have you um, was the virtual show something that you've done before? Oh yeah, the, yeah. I used to the- I used to do them like I scheduled. I think I started them maybe three or four years ago. I honestly don't don't remember, but um yeah I've been doing them for a while and I used to do this thing called uh what's the tea with Aaron and I would have like tea and then we would talk about things and I would like do my songs it was so much fun it was like every Tuesday and then now I I do lives and I schedule them like um on certain days pretty much every week so uh yeah I'll be actually be doing a live this Wednesday with my full band so um I'm excited for that yeah and are you you're going to be doing like the full band through zoom or will the full band be like in person all together? Yeah, we're going to be in person. My band has been quarantining. So we have cleared that with everybody. So we'll be at my drummer's house. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, how have you guys been able to, have you guys been able to like practice or how have you been orchestrating that during quarantine? Yeah. So um, we, we practice on our own. Mainly I, I send the boys songs and I say, okay, Let's let's do this. Get your parts down, and then next time we meet up for rehearsal, we'll be able to um, practice this in person. Um, and a lot of the things that we do, because um, our set list our set list has a lot of the same songs that we've had, so we've got them down pretty pretty good. But um, we're we're adding new ones, and um, we've kind of just been talking about it like over Zoom or FaceTime and having kind of like meetings about it, but we haven't really practiced over Zoom or anything like that because of the lag. It's it's kind of hard. (laughs) And, you know, it's always been really interesting watching bands try and do some sort of a practice over Zoom because like, I I mean, I've been doing this for a little while, so I kind of already know the, the natural issues like, just off the jump, you're going to have a half second delay just from, you know, for whatever. And then if somebody's got really shoddy internet, there's going to be like a, another second or two delay. And like, just even between you and me right now, as I'm asking the questions and watching you respond to the questions, I could tell there's probably about another second or so delay. Probably. Yeah. yeah. I, I know some musicians that are insane and like, like Jacob Collier, he's like also one of my giant influences because the guy is just genius. Um, he has done songs with like Ty Dolla Sign and, and when they go live together, he will listen to the delay and then make up for it and play, but like behind the music, it's, it's insane that he can like think about playing music in like two different spots, but it's crazy. (laughs) It's it's like playing music three-dimensionally almost yes yes it's it's like okay so you already are already trying to compensate for some lag but then you put into your head that there's going to be another second or two and so you're just that that's crazy yeah yeah that is it's impressive yeah absolutely so you guys have been just kind of you guys kind of found your own workaround to stay fresh and rehearsed and whatnot um 
Uh, was there are there any shows that are currently far enough out that you think you still have a shot at playing or is everything kind of off the books at this point? So we actually just um, booked, I think, two shows. Uh, let's see. I think there's one coming up at this place called Big Ash Brewing and it's mm. near Cincinnati. Um, I, I don't remember what day, but it'll be on my Facebook page. Mm. So we've, I post all my shows on there, but um, there, are, there have been a few shows in the future that have been canceled um, that I'm not going to. Like, I will not be attending like, the Dallas Guitar Festival I was going to, but um, I have people that are high risk and I don't, I don't want to risk it. So yeah. there are a few things in the future that have been canceled, but there are things I'm being booked for in the next like two or three weeks, which is crazy, but they're outside. So, mm. yeah. You know, and I think, I think the fact that right now that it's summer and that you can do shows outside for the most part, it's really going to help. But, you know, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how everything unfolds because like people aren't going to be ready to go jump into those stadium shows just because some people are high risk. Some people are more prone to sickness, you know, just like everybody's different scenarios. Like, for me, for instance, I'm not necessarily high risk. My dad is, but I'm not, and I live a thousand miles apart. So I'm not really worried about it. And so like, I would be a little bit more willing to go jump into a, like if somebody's playing a stadium show, I'm a little bit more willing to go see it, Yeah. but they're not going to book a stadium show or a big show just because I'm ready to go see it you know, they have to have play for like the full thing. So I think as venues start to open, you're going to start seeing bands take lesser and lesser, I don't want to say lesser and lesser gigs, but like you're going to see bands that are, are musicians that are used to playing like stadium or big concert halls. They're going to take a step down and you're going to start seeing them play in like medium-sized concert halls or brew pubs or whatever because if they really are about the music and want to get out there to play yeah they're gonna go where they have to go you know for sure yeah and i think i hope that uh we can we can figure out something there's so many great minds now and i think things won't be back to normal for a while but we have so many people that are really good at, at coming up with like great, great fixes for, for problems. And I think in the music industry, um, I think something is gonna come along for, for big shows that will enable them to happen, but still keep everyone safe. Like they have um, over in Europe, and I think in, I forgot what state it was, somewhere over here, there's been a few few places that have done it, but they've done the drive-in uh, mm. outdoor shows, like the big festivals, but they're driving. Yeah, and I, I think, think that's, that's genius, you know? I think it was Colorado. That sounds yeah, I Colorado. Think so. I Colorado think so. sounds about right. My my friend Grace uh, Grace Kush played played a festival that was like that. That's where it was, Colorado. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. So, I mean, like this, it, it'd be a little bit weird, but you know, if if you really want to get out and listen to live music, that's a really good way to do it. Like, yeah. Because I mean, especially if you're in your in a band, you have a certain level of comfort being around them, and even if if you're worried there's a way you can kind of structure yourselves to still be six feet apart and you're good <laughs> but you know just like the drive when i first saw that i was a little skeptical i was like oh that i don't see it really working but then they just found like because it's going to take in my opinion i think it'd take like the right act or the right right t- genre of music and the right people 
but for the most part, just like seeing how well it's gone over, it's like, okay, I was obviously wrong, but. Yeah, yeah, I'm just, I mean, so there's gonna be a lot of trial and error with things, I, I, I can see. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, let's talk about you a little bit. So right. um, what got you interested into music originally? So it kind of started, I, I feel like it started when I was two. My dad had this acoustic guitar and I still have it. It's this Yamaha. And I picked it up and it was like, it was larger than me. It was like basically an upright bass. And I played it like an upright bass. And I think that kind of like sparked something in my head because I was singing and I was playing it. And it just, there's videos of me in my diaper and it's very embarrassing, but uh, that kind of sparked something. And then when I was seven, uh, my parents got me guitar lessons and I hated it. But I, I liked the idea of getting something to practice, but not practicing it and doing my own thing. Cause I like to write songs and like that was, that was my thing. So I think that's, that's kind of what, what made it turn into me being a songwriter. Cause I never wanted to practice what my teachers gave me, <laughs> which inspired me more. So um, yeah, I think that's, that's mainly what got me into music. That and my parents were playing all kinds of music and they always sat me down. Like I remember my dad had this Joe Satriani DVD and he sat me down in front of it and I would watch that thing. I watched it like three times when I was younger. And I'm sure that nice. just got ingrained in my head. Like I want to do that. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. That's, yeah. so, that's so funny. Um, so um, you've got a, or you just released your third studio album correct yes congratulations you know I, I know a lot of people they 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 strive to release one studio album and never get to that point and you the fact that you were able you've been able to release three that's absolutely awesome <laughs> um, so what, what's that pro what was that process kind of like for you how did you uh first of all how did you kind of select the songs that were going to be on there did you have songs already written or did you kind of specifically write for the album what was that process kind of like for you yeah so my third album was a lot different from my first and second albums um not only because i was a lot I'm, I'm older um but i i have more mature content and and so with this third album i wanted a specific message with this um unlike the first and second so my my message my message was basically like, I don't want to fit into society's standards. And I want to make sure, like, I want to say, Hey, you don't have to either, you know, it's, it's, it's called out from under and it's being out from under from all these standards, you know, that people have to live up to, but they really don't, you know, I'm, I'm kind of reaching a hand out and I want my, my, all of the songs on the album to be able to say that, like, Hey, I'm weird. Come be weird with me, you know? So that, that was my main, like, the main theme of the album and I had lots of songs that I was considering for it but um that's kind of like what I kept asking myself does this go with my theme does this go with with saying hey I don't fit in come not fit in with me and that's kind of how I selected them cool cool and um where did you uh record the album uh Lava Room Lava Room in in Cleveland Ohio okay cool you go to is that where you've been to record all your albums or it was it the first time you First time, first time I've been to Lava Room and it it was amazing. Nice. <laughs> they're they're really cool. Nice. Uh, what was the what was the experience like stepping into that studio for the first time? Stepping into that for the first time, I know I remember touring it before I even decided I wanted to record there, and 
and it was just like stepping in there it was like the vibes i was just like okay this is this is pretty cool because there were multiple rooms and you could you could like go into each room and there was an artist in this one an artist in this one it was just cool how widespread and like many different genres were in the same building i, mm -hmm. I liked the fact that you know i liked that and um and it, it's not like a gigantic studio, so I'm not getting lost in it and it wasn't like overwhelming, but it felt like home, you know? I, I wanna walk into a studio and I wanna feel comfortable. I don't wanna feel overwhelmed or like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be here, you know? So, and, and Lava Room definitely spoke to me like that, so. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. And uh, w what's the, I guess, one of the things that we really like to do on Live and Amplified is give as much advice as we can. Like we like to spread our knowledge and our opinions on things. So yeah. what advice do you have for musicians that are getting ready to jump into the studio for the first time? Okay, my advice is don't overthink it. And also do some research as far as like what you want for like your mix and master. I know some people, if you don't, if you don't know what that is, it's, it's, it's basically kind of like what you want the overall sound and like vibe to be like. So if you, like, if someone is influenced by a certain artist or a certain band and you're like, I want my music to sound like that, but I don't want it to be exactly like that, then you're probably thinking, okay, I want my master to be like that. I want my mix to be like that. So do some research as to like, oh, I want my drums to be as loud as this and this to be like that. You know, if you, if you do research on what your songs to sound like, uh, what you want them to sound like, then you can tell your engineer that or tell your producer that because having someone tell you what, they want your songs to sound like isn't like the best thing in the studio. If you tell them what you want to sound like, it's better. I don't know if that's confusing or not, but um, basically just take hold of your pro your own project. Yeah. You know, being able to communicate what you like and doing research on it before you go in is one of the best things. Cause my first and second album, I didn't really do that. So I didn't know what I was doing. And my third album, um, I had that experience on under my belt with the first and second album. And I was also watching as many YouTube videos as possible. Like we have YouTube at the tip of our fingers. So there's so many, so many tips on there as far as, you know, engineering. And it's, it's wonderful to, to know that before you go into the studio. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's really good to be educated. And I think you summed it up really well to know what you want your album to sound like. So you're not, because I've definitely seen a lot of situations where musicians go in, not not that they don't know what they want their album to sound like, they're just afraid to say what they want it to sound like. Yeah. And then they get into the studio, and especially if they're working with a studio that is chart or like they they make money doing little add-on things, like adding things to the track they'll kind of bully that bully musicians into adding things that don't really need to be on the song or that the musician yeah. didn't want mm -hmm. like for instance there's been a couple times where we talked to musicians where they went to a studio it was their first time in the studio they couldn't afford a whole lot so they went to a guy that said okay i'll do it a base price for this and then like it'll be two tracks you know vocal instrument but any additional track, it'll be this much more. Interesting. So they'll, they'll go in and record the vocal and the guitar, and then the producer will go in and add drums or add percussion or add a bass line or add something that they didn't want. And then when they play in the final song, it's like, 
that sounds amazing. And then they hand them a bill that's a lot more than they originally talked about. And it's like, yo, I didn't sign up for, you know, so, and then like, they just get bullied into paying all this extra money. And it's like, yo, had you just went in and said, okay, I just wanted my vocals, this guitar. That's Mm -hmm. it. And getting it down in, in writing as well, knowing how to read and write, um, not just how to read and write, but like yeah. how to read and write, like the business yeah. in, in music is is very handy. Cause then, I mean, it's, it is, it doesn't happen all the time, but it's, it's sad when it does happen that, you know, people do get screwed in the music business and, and uh, musicians can easily be taken, taken advantage of, you know, either way, musicians and producers and engineers, you know, but uh, it's all about knowing and again, researching. Yeah. And it's building that relationship with your producer or your engineer or whatever. Because yes. like, I mean, true. where it gets really in a murky territory is when you go in working with a producer you've never met, never had prior conversations with, you know, it's, you need to sit down before you even get to the studio, before you even get to talking about the project. I firmly believe you need to sit down and talk to the producer and find out who they are, what they're about. And then that way you can make your decision. Okay. I want to tell this person, this producer, this engineer, this, whoever about my project. And I think they'll understand, you know, that, so I think the, like the pre-production on the musicians part is -hmm. something that needs to be taken very seriously. 100%. Yeah. I sat down with, with my producer slash engineer on this third album, even like again, before we even decided that, okay, I'm gonna record my album here. And we just had a conversation and I was like, okay, I can, like, it's all about like people you can vibe with. It's kind of like building that team around you because if you have someone on your team that doesn't believe in what you're doing, then there's no reason they should, or there's there's really no reason they should be on your team, you know? Everyone should believe in the project and you should be able to feel that because it's, it's gonna definitely further you down the path that you wanna go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one thing that's interesting, especially with somebody that already has a pretty decent track record of music, from your first studio album to your current one, mm-hmm. how has your sound kind of changed and evolved? Yeah, I, I, I think about this all the time. My first album I recorded when I was, I think when I was like 12. So my voice has definitely matured. And mm-hmm. like I listen back and I'm like, Ooh, man I I was in the middle of vocal lessons and that and that uh in that album but I mean I think it's still cool though it's it's cool to hear how my how my vocals have progressed and also my guitar playing I I listen and it's just again about knowledge is power I, I try to learn and soak in everything I can and it definitely reflects within three albums you know first album I knew this much second album I I knew even more third album was like wow where did that come from you know it's I can hear the the things I've I've learned over the years in each album, and I think that's that's super cool to hear that that progression. Awesome, and uh, so we've been talking about your third album here a bit. What's the name of it, and uh, like all that important information? Yeah, it's called Out from Under, and okay. it's uh, it's on like Spotify and Apple Music, all the streaming services, and YouTube. Cool, um, yeah. and so as far as that album goes what was the like the creative process behind it were you the sole writer of it or did you incorporate the other band members like how did that kind of break down 
So that one, I was the sole writer for it. I got in the studio. I used uh, so two studio musicians that were just incredible. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, but I solely wrote everything on that album. Gotcha. But then when you get out to do like live shows, you have like a band that you run with? Is that... Yes, yes. I have I have uh, my bass player, Jack Ryan, and my drummer, Brandon Pettiford, that are always on my shows. And I have another another guitarist that's coming into the mix, so. Awesome. Is there a plan of maybe on the fourth album to go into the studio with them, or do you just like the, just like you and the studio musicians? No, my plan is definitely to have my band on this next album or the next the next singles. So, and actually, the singles I've been recording here at home, um, it's really cool. My my band has the same software that I have when it comes to recording, and I can just say, "Hey guys, I need I need drums on this track," and I can just email it to them, and then they can get it right back to me, and then I can start doing the mix and stuff. So it's it's nice that we have that source of communication. So, but when I recorded my third album, um, I don't know if I, I don't know if I knew my band then, like that the band that I have now, or if I did, it was still pretty fresh. So yeah. I think that's why I went with studio musicians because we were up in Cleveland for like a month yeah. <laughs> in the winter, so the snow was horrible too. Yeah. How long yeah. ago did you uh, record the album or the third studio album? I want to say it was a year ago, but I'm I'm not sure. I don't remember the exact date. Okay. So maybe less than a year. Okay. And was there? Uh, how long ago did you, did you release it? Um, same thing. Less than a year. I know that. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and so, are you currently actively writing for the fourth or uh, for a fourth album? Um, sort of. I'm actually sticking to singles right now because okay. I kind of want—I want to get a bunch of singles ready to go and then just go like boom, 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 boom. You know, like by like bi-weekly or something like that. You know, I want to—I want to keep getting music out there instead yeah. of just releasing it all out. Yeah, actually, yeah. singles are a really interesting strategy right now, especially mm-hmm. with the pandemic going and not really knowing. Um, when everything's going to kind of lift. I, I've been talking to a lot of musicians and they're running with like the single strategy right now. Um, yeah. And the whole idea, and I never really understood it initially until somebody broke it down for me. It's like, you know, if you release a single a month, the way the Spotify algorithm works and like all these algorithm works is your song is going to get traction and you're going to end up getting lost in the shuffle if you don't keep dropping something new like you can't just keep promoting yes. the same song because exactly. like even promoting on social media which is something we do very heavily if i don't change up my message or what i'm promoting then we just kind of get lost in the shuffle and it's like okay yeah this is the same thing that's been yeah and it's it sucks because it's like it, it like you have to do that once a month but you know it it makes sense it's social media everything's so fast-paced and yes yes you gotta constantly stay in front of people yeah absolutely yeah. and it's got to be fresh new content because like i mean how many songs can you name that stayed relevant for more than two or three months you know? <laughs> Maybe like two yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're talking about people that put in a lot of time and effort to promote them and they had a strategy going in and even then it's like two out of a hundred like let's say there's a hundred people that in 
had a strategy going in, like a long-term strategy, and maybe two of them were able to stay relevant for more than two or three months. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Yeah, I, 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 I thought it was really interesting um, when before Post Malone got famous, he was, you know, he was posting a ton of music on SoundCloud, and finally something caught. I think it was like White Iverson is what it's called. So one of the songs like got picked up, like not by a label or anything, but it just like blew up, and then boom, he was he was huge. I mean, it, it and it was the fact though that he was constantly putting something out there, so people were waiting for him to post the next song, the next song, you know. Mm. And then when they posted that next that the next song, you know, it just was like people really really liked it. But he was in front of people a lot, which goes to show that that keeping in front of people and keeping songs coming is is a great great way to great way yeah absolutely and that's definitely something we've been trying to do but like the issue is i don't feel like a lot of the content we release is as hard hitting as it can be like i i feel like i'm so or we're a lot of a lot of people are so desperate to be in front of everybody's eyes so that they're putting out every little stupid thought every little like you know and there's no context there's no meaning there's no depth behind it Mm -hmm. whereas you know like you got people that can just deliver that heavy content that thought-provoking content daily and it's like okay you have to realize what your limitations are like there's some hip-hop acts that they can drop a new song like a really good song every single day but like for like a rock band to try and do that doesn't seem feasible because you've got multiple parts that have to be cohesive where Mm -hmm. so like a rock band like you said maybe every other week that sounds a lot more feasible so it's more about trying to find your balance and what you could feasibly do you know and so i don't know that, that was a little weird side tangent but no I, I totally get it totally makes sense yeah but um so you're you're kind of sticking on the single route which is really cool i really i really dig it you know it's um what where are you seeing the most interaction for the, your music are you seeing it more on spotify youtube like where are you seeing your most interaction so I would probably say Spotify is where I see a lot of it right now, um, just because I, I, I try to direct a lot of people there um, and, and, and Apple Music as well. Um, Apple Music is, is great. I know Apple, I, I thought I heard something about they're trying to get rid of iTunes and just like make Apple Music something even bigger. I, I don't know, but I think there's stuff in the future for that. Um, but yeah, right now it's, it's mainly Spotify and like YouTube. Awesome. And I saw that you're, you do a lot of like your, you'll do like on, on your YouTube and Facebook, you do a lot of like solo videos, whether it's just you playing a guitar riff. Um, how long have you been doing that? So I, I've been, I don't know. I, I try to post, I feel like I've been, I've been posting like little clips and videos on Facebook and Instagram since I started music or since I started my Facebook account because my mom used to take videos of me when I was at my shows when I was like 13, 14 mm-hmm. and um, they were they weren't the best quality but uh, over the years I realized wow this is really important to like really engage with my fans and even more so now that we're all stuck inside it's nice to be like close to each other um, through social media so I try to I try to post those intimate moments between the, the viewer and, and the guitar and me um, quite a bit. You know, I, I try to do it maybe daily or, 
or you know every every two or three days yeah the the one video i was watching on your youtube channel before you jumped on here was called the funk is served oh yeah (laughs) and i was just like dang all right that was so much fun i I come up with these like little like mini songs and Uh i will jam on them and i'm like this is really cool i should do a video to this and I also like to do like covers of songs, but I like to turn them on their head and like make them completely different. So mm. um, yeah, I, I, I include those in my YouTubes quite a bit. Nice. You know, it. that's always, you never know who's going to catch it. Like it, it, it's all about having the right title, having the right tags, you know, just somebody like somebody that just happens to be like looking for something specific that one day and you have that right tag and you just yeah. happen to pop, you know, it's, it's all, you know, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And by just coming up mm-hmm. with guitar riffs, like, let's say we'll, we'll stick with the funk is served. Cause that, that was the one I was just most recently watching. Yeah. It's an original piece for you, but I'm sure if somebody has like a funk band and it's like been looking for a riff, you know, reach out to you, be like, hey, really like this. Let's work together, you know, whatever. Absolutely. I've, I've had a few people um, actually talk to me about stuff. Uh, I know I, I played this show with um, my friend and then uh, I met one of his friends through there and then we hadn't talked for a while, but we followed each other on Instagram. And, and then I posted this video of this guitar riff and he was like, whoa, can you send me that? I'm like uh sure and so i sent it to him and then he came back with this like beat that he made over top and i'm like what and so now we've been we've been going back and forth and creating this this new single and it's it's this other new single and it's super cool it's it's just crazy how like you said like one video can connect connect you to people and especially if someone's looking for something like like tags are, are crucial when it comes to like youtube because um i know even when i'm looking for something if i look up specific words or specific tags and something comes up it's like that it's just scratched there it is right there yep yep <laughs> it's satisfying and it, it, it's kind of annoying it's kind of annoying when somebody when i'm looking for something specific and then like the tag or the the people didn't tag it right or something like so so i'm looking for like a specific cover song and they either misspelled the tag yeah i don't know it tagging proper tagging isn't very important yes yes good the double and triple check yeah wow it's very dark back there i didn't realize it was already so late I, (laughs) i just saw myself pop up in the live stream and i'm like wait a minute i don't have a light on in the back okay uh but um so when you're not playing music what do you kind of what do you usually do what do you do to kind of get away from things uh i love to take my dog on walks i have this uh this i think he's like a labradoodle yeah this labradoodle and we go on walks all the time and hikes and uh, i also like to work out and uh, that's that's pretty much it i used to do bodybuilding and i don't do it anymore but i do try to stay super active and you know, it's just one of my one of my passions. And cooking. I love cooking. I'll I'll go live on Facebook and I'll do these cooking shows sometimes. And like they're they're not like the the best cooking shows, but they're they're kind of humorous. <laughs> Cause I, I I'm like the weird person that eats like kale chips and seaweed chips and I love like spices and a bunch of just weird foods. Like I love healthy food and I like to eat weird healthy food. So I think it gets interesting on the cooking shows. <laughs> I I, I did a, I experimented with a cooking show once. It was basically 
me just doing all our drunken college recipes that we used to make. Oh, that and, was funny. <laughs> and so like one day I was, I did, I remember like doing the first video. I had just left school. I was living with my parents at the time. And so I went to the store and I bought like a chicken breast, nacho cheese and corn. So it was like, it was like a nacho salt. We, I don't remember what the hell we called it, but it was just like, okay, this is a thing we ate. And somebody left a comment when I posted the video. He was like, how are you not dead? That chicken is still so raw in the middle. And I'm like, I didn't oh care. God. I was so like, I was so, yeah, you know, and he was like, it, and besides, it looks disgusting. And I was like, it looks disgusting, but it tastes amazing. So sometimes the, the layout of the dish doesn't matter. Sometimes it's really good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, but so but my cooking, my YouTube cooking career lasted about one video. And then I was just like, okay. Uh, at least you try it. <laughs> yeah. The, the amount of time and effort it went in to make that video. And it was just like, all right, yeah, it's somebody's telling me I'm they're surprised I'm not dead yet. It's like, all right, maybe I should just chill on that a little bit. So well maybe 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 you'll uh, you'll want to go back to it some someday. Maybe you can like up the recipe. <laughs> maybe. You know, because it's funny in high school I used to be a really decent cook. Like I took when I was in high school, I thought that's what I was gonna do. I took like every home ec class they had like from beginning baker to like not sous chef but like just like mediterranean dishes you know just like really oh, yeah. complex dishes and then they introduced me to computers and video editing software and all that stuff and i was like you know what i think i kind of like this more yeah yeah I, I just i just remember the home ec teacher she saw me in the hallway one day uh, like the end towards the end of my sophomore year i think it was because i took three semesters of cooking classes and she's like I noticed you didn't uh take any cooking classes what happened and I'm like well I took a computer tech class and I really enjoyed it so I think that's where I'm headed and she's like oh well you were like showed a lot of promise because they she was like talking to me like different culinary schools and stuff and I'm like and then like now I look back at it because like my mom's cousin is a chef and just watching how his body's deteriorated throughout his entire life it's like yeah I'm kind of glad I didn't go into like it's fun to do it here by myself but yeah 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 it's I I get it I get it it can be a, it can be a lot of a lot of effort to apply but it's it can be worth it yeah absolutely um so you when you're not playing music you like to work out run with your dog and cook yes you, um all right so this is a thing that we haven't done in a while i'm gonna pull something up here really quick but um so i i have this thing that i like to do where i like to ask random questions and it's meant to be fun lighthearted. you know nothing too serious Okay. So, but just to kind of be, have a little bit of fun and not take everything so serious in life, especially right now with the pandemic, I feel like we could definitely use this a little bit. For so, sure, let's do it. First question I always ask, pineapple pizza, yes or no? Yes. Really? 
Oh, absolutely. No more pineapple, the better. <laughs> okay. What's in your fridge right now? Kale, turkey, salsa, and avocados and hummus. I know that. <laughs> Would you live in your hometown forever or stay in your hometown forever? Or wait, leave your hometown forever or stay in your hometown forever? Yeah. Okay, okay. I was like, what's the difference? Yeah. Um, I would probably leave. Okay. All right, let's see. Uh, what part of the human face is your favorite? Do ears count? I guess it's like kind of on your face. It's on your head. Yep. Ears. Sounds- <laughs> would you rather live permanently in a roller coaster park or a zoo? Oh gosh, that's so hard. Uh, probably roller coaster park. <laughs> um, if you inherited a private jet from a stranger, what would you do with it? Fly it. <laughs> and final question: What is your fate or what is your current guilty pleasure song? Oh, oh, this is a hard one. Remember, guilty um, pleasure song. Guilty pleasure song. I don't know what would constitute as a as a guilty pleasure song. Okay, well, I I will give you mine just so we're a we're on a level playing field. B, I make a fool out of myself, and C, you kind of have a jumping off point. Okay. Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. Nice. That's a good song. It is a good song. I I, have, I like Miley Cyrus. I think she has a lot of great content. So. Yeah. Um, so. Okay. I don't know if this is like this is like my guilty pleasure song. I guess right right now. Um, I know my mom does not like this song, but I've been playing it a lot, and it's Mother by Danzig. Okay. <laughs> I love that song. I I never used to listen to it, and then like all of a sudden this week, I'm like, I love this song. This is wonderful. And then I play it like when mom's not around. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. You know, it that that's an interesting thing to talk about too, just like finding old songs, the songs that have been around forever that maybe you even liked back in the day, but they just kind of find a way to crawl back into your awareness. And it's like, yes, it's so cool. Yeah. It brings me back. Like I, I remember listening to these songs when I was like, really, really little, but then I went like maybe 10 years without listening to them or at least not like really getting into them. But now I have a whole playlist of like eighties rock music. And I never would have thought I would have had that kind of playlist, but mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. weird how it comes back to you. Yeah. It, like and that's one thing w- that I really love about Spotify is I got this playlist of just like pure randomness. Like we'll go from songs that were just released within the last year to songs that were released in the early nineties. And it's like, my buddies will come in and be like, who are you? Why, why do you have, why did we just go from Lil Nas X to Pennywise to you know just like just the most absurd collection of music and it's like totally you know it's like I mean it makes me happy so leave me alone like yeah I mean I you have you have like two different kinds of people in the world you have the people that have all of their Spotify playlists or Apple music whatever they use like completely organized by genre and then you have the people that are just like I have like a playlist of 600 songs and none of them go together but it's just really fun because I love the random button. And that's like, that's where I fit in. I'm sure it sounds like where you fit in too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it, it's so funny. Like we'll be 
uh, in the car driving to do a live and amplified jam session or whatever the heck we're doing. And I'll plug my phone in and Spotify will come on and then I'll skip like seven songs. And they're like, well, why do you have all these songs on this playlist if you don't ever listen to them? Because like, I'll go through phases where I'll just like, oh, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this. Mm-hmm. And then I'll find that song. And they're like, every time we're in the car, you skip that song. And it's like, well, at one point I like the song. Yeah, I'm just not feeling it right. I'm just not feeling it right now. I'll find a point in my life where I want to listen to that song. And at that point, <laughs> it'll be there, you know? And yeah. then no, knowing my luck, it'll uh, kind of... Uh, just go into the bottom of the algorithm and it'll never pop up and it's just like oh mm-hmm. yeah. but the, one, the one dangerous thing was when spotify did the uh your top songs of 2019 at the beginning of the year oh yeah and so i'm sitting there and it's like you got the unlimited skip and it's like just perfect and so i'm just sitting there listening to this music and it's like dang it now all my favorite songs from 2019 are going to pop up into my favorite songs of 2020. And it's like, how am I ever going to grow and just appreciate new music? But, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's funny. <laughs> um, yeah. It's cool that they have that, though. Yeah. And then, like, from there, like, the my favorite songs of 2018 and 2017 popped up. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then, like, when you go back and look at all of them, it's like, wait in 2017 i was into that song for real like you know like just like the most popular song that was out in that time and it's like i don't ever remember listening to that song okay cool yeah you know yeah yeah you have songs that age well and then you have songs that sometimes don't but yeah it's for now for everybody yeah absolutely absolutely um so obviously with the pandemic coming up or coming to an end we're hoping by the end of the summer shows will come back uh well what have you kind of been doing to make sure you're ready to jump in full force once the uh pandemic or like the staying home orders are lifted uh again mainly just practicing new songs because i want to i want to come out swinging um at these at these shows these shows that are are opening back up you know i don't want to come out something with the same set list i want to come out with new songs we're like it's like aaron coburn band 2.0 you know like i want to i want to bring it up level so we've kind of been all trying to get out of our comfort zones i've been trying to push my band members to get out of their comfort zones and um and again like mainly like rehearsing and and writing new songs so that's that's mainly what we've been doing to prepare for the the opening yeah have you thought about since you guys all have the ability to like record your own music have you thought about doing like a diy ep with like all new songs that you wrote during quarantine yeah um i actually there's um something that i've been working on and uh it's i i sent it off to lava room um but i i had recorded everything i sent it off for them to mix it but now that i'm learning how to mix and master i'll be able to do some of that myself and i can put new songs out but i actually um on my soundcloud i have a few songs out there um there's one called we all float and uh it's inspired by it because it the 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 newest it movies were my favorite movies of of, ever like i've ever watched um so (laughs) yeah that that song's out there and that's entirely um that's like one of the first songs i ever finished by myself mixed mastered and 
and put out there. So I'll probably redo it too, but yeah. Once you're able to get back into like a studio studio, is that, or just. No, just... actually I, I have, um, I don't know if you can see it right now, but this is my little setup. Got my mm -hmm. laptop, my speakers and, and, uh, and this little room, but um, I'm going to be moving soon again to uh, Ohio and uh, my parents, I'm super thankful. We'll be building a garage that I'll have an apartment above and my studio below it. So I'm going to create an actual recording studio um, with control booths and, and drum booths and isolation booths. So I'll be able to record and have that, um, that I'll be able to have a, that space to do that in. And then when I'm on the road, I'll be able to rent it out to some of the audio engineers I know that are around there if they want to use it. So I think that'll be a really, really cool thing. And a nice way to kind of double your finances and like kind of yeah. make a little extra money on the side that's really cool exactly you know? I'll be able to, to to fund my uh my music and and keep doing that so how many when you are to when you do tour full-time how many shows a year do you say you play um it, it's kind of varied uh this year obviously has been less but i know mm -hmm. i've played probably more than a hundred probably more than a hundred like like the first year I started playing and then it slowed down a little bit after that because we were trying to be more selective with where we were playing so maybe 60 to 100 somewhere in between there okay have you had the opportunity to play internationally or do you primarily just stick in the U.S. and or do you do you have like a prime area that you tour uh, I have mainly stuck in the U.S. or I, I have stuck in the U.S. but um, I got scouted at Buddy Guys to play the Mahindra Boost Festival um, in India. And so uh, they book pretty far in advance, like really, really far in advance. So I don't, they probably won't be booking right now, but um, I am in the, in the lineup for doing that in the future. So hopefully in the, India in the future. And then I, I hope to, to hit up Australia because I have some friends out there and, yeah. and also the UK. I have lots of followers in, in the UK. So nice. Yeah, it's uh with the internet, it's so easy right now to just kind of build an international following. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're more connected than ever. Yeah, yeah, uh, right. And it's funny you brought up Australia and the UK because those are like the two places that were really like second and third behind the U.S. Because we started so strong in the U.S. and now everybody else is kind of playing catch up. But mm -hmm. you know, it's it's so easy right now just to kind of build your following and the fact that you even brought up india that's that's crazy because you you got scouted while you were playing a show up in chicago right you said buddy yeah guys? yeah i was at buddy guys legends and uh the people that let i think run the mahindra blues festival were there and they said they were like yeah here's our card and then uh we just exchanged information They're like yeah we're, we we definitely want you to play this in the future so and they, they have lots of, lots of big names over there. I'm going to plug my phone in real quick. But oh, you're they good. They have lots, lots of uh, big names, and it's, like, one of the biggest music or blues festivals in India, which is just super cool. Nice. You know, and I, get, yeah. I guess, to me, I wouldn't figure India to be a hotbed for, like, blues music. Oh, no, it, it is. I, mean, I feel like I feel like blues in countries outside of the U.S. is, like, <laughs> bigger than it might be in the U S I mean, I might be wrong, but that's what I feel like. Um, at least the appreciation, like in, in, in Europe, blues is just huge. It's yeah. huge. When I mean, I knew the, in Europe blues was huge. Cause we've worked with a few different 
blues musicians where they go over to the over to Europe just to tour. Yeah. And that's where they'll make a bulk of their money for the year. Like, so mm-hmm. they come in and say, I make this much a year. They make a bulk of it doing a three week tour over in Europe. So, yeah. I, I, I knew that over in Europe it was big, but for some reason in my head, it was like I, I just couldn't see India being a huge blues market, but that's crazy. Yeah. That's cool that, that it is. Yeah, that festival is gigantic. <laughs> and so the the hope is or that'll be somewhere down the line a couple years because you said they book out way way ahead of time yes they book very very far in advance which i mean it's it's nice to have festivals like that because it's 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 cool when when you're an artist and you can say yeah i've got a festival booked like in two years but like you know it's it's nice to have have your calendar fill up that far in advance yeah Yeah. absolutely that's and the Mm -hmm. fact that they they feel secure enough knowing that in two years that there's their festival is still going to be going that they're not living year to year with festivals because like especially right now with the pandemic i know a lot of festivals that canceled that are like i don't know if we're going to be able to do one next year because we put so much money into promoting this festival this year Mm -hmm. and so many guarantees that just we aren't gonna we aren't gonna be able to get back unless we work out a deal and bring the band back you know like there's obviously some loopholes but like for the most part there's some festivals that just aren't going to be able to reopen because they'd already put so much time and effort and they live year to year with the festivals yeah yeah i I, i've been so bummed with some of the festivals that i that i couldn't play like the the dallas festival and and bliss fest bliss fest is like literally the my most favorite festival i've ever played it's up in michigan and Mm -hmm. It is so, so cool. They have acts from all over the world and the, the forest is lit up and there's like people camping in the forest and then like you have, they have like six stages. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And I, I played it, I think I played it twice before um, and I was going to play it again this year, but they sadly they canceled them. But I think they what they said is uh, next year we'll have like the people that we're going to play this year next year. And I mm-hmm. think it's awesome that some festivals do have the ability to do that. Um, yes. Yeah it's nice yeah yeah and you know i've definitely seen that as well with some of the bigger festivals where they just take the lineup from this year and move it to next year and the fact that a lot of bands just haven't booked a year in advance they were able to take advantage of that which is really cool yeah well and so they're just out of the promotional cost but there's a lot of festivals where they put so much money into promotions that they just aren't ever going to be able to exactly and and i think i think the fact that the the good thing though i think with these festivals even though they're not going to be able to put a lot of money into the promotion if they decide to do the festival next year or the year after that um people are going to be itching to get out so people are going to be looking for things Mm -hmm. you're not going to need to put out as many promotions as like now because there are lots of festivals that probably won't be doing it. So the competition is not like neck and neck. It's more like, okay, I put, you know, a couple posts out and, and a couple, a few promotions. And then it's like, it's good. You know, it's good to go because people, people are going to be seeking it out versus, Oh, this festival's going on. I'm going to go to this, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely a different market. Yeah. Have you, um, obviously what started everything, as far as like festivals getting canceled when they canceled South by Southwest, what mm-hmm. is that 
some place that you really want to ever ever wanted to go play or yeah. yeah yeah south by southwest is definitely like one of the one of the things on my radar i hope to do in the future sounds cool i have some friends that have gone down to that and say it's just really really neat yeah you know and i i think when that got canceled i knew we were going to be in for a long summer just because it was like that threw a wrench into a lot of our plans we had a lot of bands that were coming through waco on their way to south by southwest and it was just like i was i was taking advantage of it because it was like we're gonna have all these bands here let's do jam sessions let's do live video you know like i had like over the course of four days i had like three months worth of work lined up and it was just like you know what we're gonna bang through it and then show uh slowly but surely as the festival canceled like the like the main festival like a lot of those acts just said hey so we're not coming and i'm like okay kind of figured that and then as some of the bands found out that the main festival canceled but they were playing a lot of the like unofficial gigs they just they would slowly start falling out even though that the unofficial gigs never really canceled but if there wasn't the main appeal of the main festival, it's like, yo, we don't really want to be here, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's the fact of even having people come out to shows. I know a lot of venues are opening, but they're not seeing the, the turnout that they, they used to have. So, like, you can't have ticket tickets, you know, you can't have, like, a bunch of tickets being sold and then uh, anymore, you know, and you can't really... Bands aren't being paid, but they used to be paid, which mm. is understandable because businesses aren't making what they used to make. You know, it's going to be a huge adjustment for, it already has been a huge adjustment for businesses, but now um, I think like a lot of artists are going to be out there and it's going to be a big adjustment for them as far as, um, as far as pay and and turnout. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So one thing that I wanted to talk about is you have a lot of brands that you like to work with, but you have like Strandberg and then like, even on your website, I see a few others listed down there. Um, Yeah. How, how did you kind of start working with Strandberg and some of the other other uh, brands that you like to work with? How, how did you start getting their notoriety and stuff like that? So um, again, it kind of comes down to, the, to content and, and bringing bringing value to to what you have. Um, but I Strandberg specifically, I. I, I played their guitars at NAMM when I went to NAMM this year and, and I, I couldn't get away from the booth. I had to keep coming back to the booth because I play, I, I was like, Oh my gosh. When I first, when I first like saw them, I'm like, those look interesting. I, I'll try those later. And then I finally got around to trying them and I just, I was just enthralled. It was insane. So I, it got me to thinking like they, they endorse a lot of metal artists. And I was like, you know, I don't play metal, but I play like rock and, and blues and, and I play a genre that not a lot of their artists play. So it would be cool to bring my audience to to them, you know, like to show my audience that these are not just metal guitars. These are guitars that that can cover all genres very, mm-hmm. very well. They're, they're extremely versatile. So um, that's kind of like what I, what I brought up to them. I was like, hey, I, I really believe in these guitars. And it's, it's never felt so right. And so, I mean, I, I only, I only work with friends that I, that I really, really believe in and that I really, really connect with, yeah. you know, I, 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 when I was younger, I, I didn't have my sound created yet, but I definitely started to, I've definitely started to hone in on, on the sound and, and tone I want when it comes to my music and especially my guitar. So, mm. um, 
just some of those brands like Bad Cat Amps and, and Strandberg and DR are, are, are those people that I wanted to, wanted to work with. Awesome. And you don't feel limit, limited by kind of staying with one singular brand? You, like if... No, no. I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't found that uh, at, at all with, with limiting myself with this thing. Cause I, I try to choose the brands I work with. I, I, I try to, I try to make sure that they have like lots of different sounds that they can bring, you know, like yeah. with Hamburgers, they don't just sound like one thing, you know, this guitar has, this guitar has 10 different pickup sounds and stuff, which is just insane. You know, I, I, I'm a very versatile artist, so I want to make sure I'm working with versatile companies. You gotcha. That, yeah, that makes sense. Cause you know, I, I know that there's definitely some musicians where they, they get so excited at the idea of working with one singular brand that they don't think about what they're doing and realizing, well, if I sign, like, we'll say they sign a deal with uh, Strandberg just because it's here in front of us and they play like solo acoustic stuff. It's like, okay, are you really going to be able to get your sound out of these guitars? Like not like I'm not a hundred percent familiar with Strandberg. So they may have the, a line of the most killer acoustic guitars and I just don't know it, but I, you know, I'm just kind of playing off my ignorance a little bit. So like they, they just get so excited at the idea of signing with a brand or whatever and being endorsed by them that they don't think long-term it's like, yeah, well, they're really known for this one style of music and they're interested in me, you know, but Am I going to be able to, you know, I don't know. So I, I, agree. I think, yeah. I think it's, it's kind of like putting something shiny in front of you. Like, Oh my gosh, I want it. And then you get it and it starts to turn dull. Yeah. And you want to make sure like, like what I, what I, what I try to do if I'm, if I'm looking at like a deal or like a, like a contract with deals and stuff for, for, um, you know, um, working with companies is I try to make sure, you know, is, is this who I am? Is this like what I sound like, you know, I, and I don't just go like without even trying it. Like before I reached out to Strandberg, I did, I, I went, I drove three and a half hours to go try these guitars again at a place that had them. And I was at that, I was at Sweetwater yeah. um, in Indiana. And I was, I was there for like the, the moment they opened to the moment they closed playing these guitars, because I was like, I want to make sure that every single one of these feels good in my hands and sure enough every single one of them did and that's when yeah. i was like, yeah this this is right yeah yeah, yeah absolutely and i, I completely because like i mean it, it just goes back to what we were talking about about musicians going into the studio for the first time just being educated and doing your research and making sure yeah you know, yeah, so like it, it all wraps up into one big thing and just being educated and whatnot. Um, so, yeah. Um, so as we kind of start working our way towards the end and wrapping up the uh, podcast, it's been an amazing conversation. Like, uh, I'm really happy with it, and I, I thank you for your time. Um, yeah, and we. Yeah. Oh, uh, and so we've been giving advice and I just kind of want to go to like more general advice for independent musicians. What in general advice do you have for musicians? Mainly 
I would say to keep writing, you know, if, if you're a musician that writes, an artist that writes, just write as much as you can. And again, crank that content out as much as you can. Um, don't get, again, like you said, like don't just release anything, but like, you know, truly believe in, in what you're, what you're releasing. And also engage with your fans. You know, these people, these people believe in you and, and if they believe in you, then you should, you should be responding to them and talking to them and thanking them. And because, you know, it's, it's a family that, you have like my fans i i love my fans so so much you know we i go live on facebook and like it's like a family they're like oh hey hey what's up what's going on you know that's the best thing to see is when you have your fans just like like coming together because of your music you know like if you don't if you have a disconnect between you and your fans then like what are you doing you know like why are, why are you in music if you're not gonna if you're not gonna you know interact with the people that that love what you're creating so I think the the best advice is just to stay in touch with with the people that support you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and that that is very sound advice. You know, just yeah. being able to build that authentic 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 connection with your yes. audience. You know, it it's I, I've talked to so many promoters and stuff asking them, well, why did you book this band over that band? And it's like, well, this band yeah, they have a 10th of the following of that band, but this band was able to sell 70 tickets and this band couldn't sell 10. So, you know, they this band obviously has more of a connection with their audience and more support, even though it's a 10th of the, you know, so it's it like, there's just, yeah, it, it's the perfect advice, just building yeah. that authentic connection. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, but so I'm going to ask you one final question. Okay. And, and it's kind of, I ask it very vaguely just to kind of give you room to take it wherever you want to take it. But, um, why music? I've decided to kind of make my whole life revolve around music because it's the thing that I connect with most. Like I've, I've never fit in with anything I've done like when I was in public high school like people were like oh I'm gonna go to this college I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do this and I'm like well I kind of feel like I'm already on my path you know like I don't want to be misdirected from it there was a couple times where I'm like well I'm gonna go to college for business and I'm gonna do that right now but then I was like but I'm having so much fun with music and I'm I'm, I'm making money and I feel like I I could like, I want to be able to sit down and work on something for 12 hours for straight for an entire day and not be sick of it. That's what I want to do with my life. If I can do that with something and that's what I can do with music. I can sit down with music for an entire day and not be sick of it and do it again the next day. You know, I, it just, it feels right. And, and I think that's why, that's why I choose music because it's also constantly changing and, and evolving. And I think that's really exciting, you know, to, to be able to learn what, what the evolutions are of music and especially the business too you know like i said I, I love to learn things i love to absorb as much as i can and and learn stuff and that's the great thing about music is you are constantly learning things to be relevant yeah absolutely absolutely um and then where can everybody kind of find you on social media where can they find your new uh, your albums your new music where can everybody find you so you can find uh, you can find where I'm playing and also uh, links to my music on erincobranmusic.com, E-R-I-N-C-O-B-U-R-N music.com or erincobran.com. It's the same thing. 
And uh, also my music is on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, YouTube under Aaron Coburn. Uh, YouTube is Aaron Coburn Music. And Facebook and Instagram and Twitter is Aaron Coburn Music as well. Awesome, awesome. Aaron, I want to thank you so much once again. Uh, really appreciate the time. Uh, it's been a blast sitting here to get to know you. Uh, you're actually the first musician from Kentucky that's been on the podcast. So, that's, oh, very cool. Yeah. Glad I could represent. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So, thank that, you. Thank you so that, much for having me. Absolutely. You know, it, um, really appreciate it. And um, shout out to Brittany for getting that set up, getting it set up for us. You know. How, before we wrap it up, how did you uh, start working with her? And yeah, Publicity Nation. I, I've been I've been uh, working with them as as an artist, and they are incredible. Um, the F Promotion uh, LLC actually. I've been working with them with like videos and content and stuff, and they recommended me to uh, Publicity Nation, and which Brittany's there, and so. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how we got connected. And it's just been incre incredible. And, and like I said, having the right team around yeah. you, these people that truly believe in, in what I'm doing. So it's just nice to have that on the, on the team. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so I, I just wanted to take that moment to thank her for connecting us, you know, uh, definitely be following your music, you know, because she's, she's introduced me to so, or introduced us to so many new musicians that not that we wouldn't have found but we just hadn't found because there's just so much content out there right now um but like she was able to introduce us she's introduced us to you and so many other great musicians so we're really appreciative to her for that um and really appreciative to you to sit down and chat with us for a while um so i just wanted to thank you one last time i can never thank musicians enough that are willing to just sit down and chat you know give us their time because i'm yeah. Time is the most valuable thing we have right now. So, um, yeah, for sure. Sure. This is a nice conversation. It's, it's, it's fun to have the interviews with like the random questions and then the cool questions, you know, not just the, how old are you? How long have you been playing? You know, those yeah. are fine too, but it's, it's, it's cool to get, to get all nitty gritty. Someday I'm going to be on Howard Stern because that's going to be a cool interview. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, and the, the, that's definitely something that we've been trying to avoid is asking this typical like PR, I mean, I like to call them PR questions because we're trying to break that mold of, of well, we don't want to learn about the PR version of you. We want to learn about the real you. Yeah. Because if if I wanted to learn about the PR version of you, I'd just read your bio and regurgitate that online, you know? Great point. But we we want to know like the real you and what you're really about. And so that's really been the exciting part about the podcast because it's really been especially since we started doing it on zoom and being able to like, just talk to anybody that's willing to talk to us. Whereas before it was like, Nope, it's gotta be in person. Dang it. We're only doing two every three months because I can't get in front of musicians that quick. And otherwise it's the same old musicians every week, you know? And yeah. so now that I've kind of gotten out of my own way, it's like, okay, now we're talking to a lot of really great musicians that need, need the platform and, you know, want to talk, you know, so it's really, really awesome. Um, but that being said, really appreciate the time. want to thank you one last time. Um, yeah. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, we will catch y'all later. Thank you.